Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. podcast welcome to the bitcoin podcast Podcast. episode podcast uh 252 that's where we're at um your first host cello and i'm host number two d and i am host number three dr Corey petty hello my friends my fellow neighbors in the podcast how does it feel on the moon how does it feel walking on the moon oh you're talking about because that's where we are at 5,000. <laughs> that's the moon now? We readjusted, huh? Not not 20,000. 5K is the moon. <laughs> We're good. I love that. Like, um, the moment any type of whatever price action happens, our Slack blows up. Like, we're like, mm. no, we've had, we have, you know, have a nice, a nice amount of conversation that happens here and there about various things. Uh, we keep conversations going. It's, it's, it's lively. Price action happens between F and BTC and you know, random shit coins across uh the, like the industry and it it the whole place is on fire like there's people talking about everything not even price all the time it's just they're they're there to talk yeah the price brings us all together man it's a big kumbaya moment anytime there's a price price jump it's a good time I guess. even when there's a the price cool. drop people come out and they're like "Ooh, how many are you gonna buy some i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy <laughs> Has this affected Necrodomus's uh long term uh, uh predictions? No, but I feel like if I'm gonna say Negro if I'm gonna be Negrodomus and fully own it, I gotta talk like a Mississippi pimp. I feel like that's the only way. How do you talk? How do you talk like a Mississippi pimp? How you talk like a Mississippi pimp, baby? Just like that now. You say if if you're gonna be Negrodomus and you've got to make predictions like, yeah, baby, the price is going to be about 6500 right? It kind of sounds right like Ray, Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles, though. The price is going to do what it do, baby. That's it. You got Mississippi Pimp. You got to say do what it do, <laughs> right? We're going we gonna to make it do what it do on this price, baby. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. The, um, I, I tried to predict 6200 by the time that you guys are listening to this podcast. Uh, but it didn't work out. But it looked like it went down to like forty five hundred, and now it's creeping back up. It's at what five five point two. So, uh, as per usual, since this since this price movement, uh, I have had about six people who I haven't heard from in about six months contact me to say what's up. <laughs> uh, so what's up? Like, what, do, y- do y'all have any like re- like they asked me like, what's going on? Is there something going on? Did something changed? I was like, no, nothing. Zero has changed that I'm aware of. Do y'all know of anything? Yeah. Um, well, maybe no, nothing has changed really. Even in the headlines, there's nothing new really. Um, I'm trying to think is if anything did change. It's no. just weird. It's just like if I struck oil in my backyard, someone from middle school calls me and says hello what does me getting richer have to do with you that's what i don't understand <laughs> you're richer we're friends that means yeah. i could possibly be richer yeah oh Corey, i remember uh so jesse and i recorded and there's an article that came through and then we got kind of mixed up because we were under the impression that seven nanometer was as small as it gets but then bitmain and Canon are working on five nanometer asics and then Jesse said, I thought it gets kind of quantum when you get below seven nanometers. Probably does it? Does. I don't know. I mean, that's that's around the area in which <laughs> I was hoping for a better in. answer. I, mean, it, it, I was hoping for a better answer than no, I don't know. There's not a good answer there. I don't know enough about it to say whether or not there's a lot of quantum happening at that level. But yeah, once it gets around that level, quantum stuff can take effects. Oh, okay. 
I feel like we're just we just turned into a sub episode of Ant Man Quantum. It gets pretty quantumy down there after <laughs> below like, the seven nanometer like range. Quantum effects stop like lose their strength really, really, really quickly with size. Really quickly with size and weight, right? That's what I mean by size. Weight basically. What kind of quantum effects are we talking about? Like, I don't understand what quantum means. And I just watched Ant Man in the Wasp. Interference. Um, so as you get smaller, the, the the distance between energy levels grows, and so you like quantum effects. The quantum leap is jumping from one energy level to another. But if something is Electrons. really, 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 really big, that energy jump is really small, and so it's basically continuous, which feels like normal physics. So it's like once you get to a certain size. Because that energy jump is so small, the quantum leap is what people call it. But because that's so ridiculously small, it doesn't make any difference. And so it's basically like the kind of physics that we feel and understand and have intuition about. Mm. But like when you get really small, that jump is huge. It has a drastic consequences on how things work. I'm curious, why is the jump bigger if things are smaller? Uh, it's you can it's hard to explain, but. That's how it works. Dr. Seuss me, man. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't thought about that and I've been drinking for the day, so um It has to do with the Schrodinger equation. That's Schrodinger's a, that's cat quality scapegoat of physics intuition. All right, guys. <laughs> I gotta interject before this turns into hashing it out. Um, <laughs> um, do we uh, do we acknowledge the uh the folks in the room? Yeah, so you all want to join in? Lane Miller, longtime listener. First time caller? First time and caller. And Lyndon have joined the episode. The crypto bully. By Lyndon, I mean the crypto, crypto bully. bully. Yeah, stop using the say hello, or y'all just creeping. And, and I think they're just listening. listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm creeping a little bit, but I'll say what's up. <laughs> what up, what up? We got an episode with you uh, coming out next week. I'm very excited. Uh, it's going to be dope, yo. Yep. Okay, to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing us how to use dead ass appropriately. You are extremely welcome. I'm so yeah. happy that I can educate you guys on the proper term or use of dead ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start using it at work. Look, it's been a two percent drop in productivity here. Dead ass. All right. So, how are we gonna handle that? Wait, are you gonna, you're gonna join the conversation, or are you flying the wall? Uh, it's I'm I'm down for either or. I mean, I, I was looking at the top uh the talking points you guys had, man. Y'all got some really dope talking points too. So, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm which which one you. jumped out at you? Which, uh, what do you want to talk about? Oh, the one that jumped out at me. <clears throat> let me see. I'm about to go look at the list again. Um, man. Um, I know there was the fake volume thing, and I I always thought that like eighty percent was was a volume is always going to be fake, crypto or traditional. Why? Why eighty percent? Where'd you come up with that? I just always think that a large, a large percentage of it. A lot of people are like, "Well, what does Coinbase have to gain?" Like everything. Well, first like, off, everyone like, lies. It's like first off, like the like there's reportedly or skepticism or I don't know what you want to call it, tinfoil hat, saying that majority or a good portion of the trading volume of most cryptocurrencies is fake. First off, what does that even mean? What is fake volume? It's wash <laughs> trading. It's, it's, yeah, so basically, Corey, you could say, hey, I've got an exchange. It's the Petty Express exchange, and basically it's, it's just you. You, uh, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty solid. I'm proud of myself. Uh, <laughs> but you can just send a bunch of money back and forth to your own wallets and then re- just say that, oh, look at all this volume. It's going back and forth, baby. You're just sending money back and forth to yourself. So then exchanges do the same thing. They just do it internally and they do it at astronomical rates. And well, not astronomical just, uh, rates. I mean, I, I guess if they're reporting that volume, they can be moving it across their own. So this is, can't, can't we see this? Like, isn't this just something you can just look at the blockchain and see? Granted, if it's an exchange, it's going to be off. I mean, off the blockchain. But if that's the case, if it's like a centralized exchange, then do they even need to like, make the trades can't they just report whatever the hell they want yeah i think what it was is that supposedly there was a company i can't remember the name of the company right now but there was a company who went through i think it was like 
uh, a, a ridiculous number of exchanges. I think it was like 50 or like the top 50 exchanges, right? And supposedly what they found is that most of that watch trading is occurring on the smaller exchanges that don't really affect the large number, the large portion of the market cap. So they gave like a list, I think of eight or 10 exchanges that I've seen in a couple of articles of these exchanges don't do that from the investigation. And it was like Coinbase, Kraken, Bittrex, pretty much all of the, the bigger exchanges that make up most of the trading volume and market cap. So it's kind of like the, the picture they painted is like, okay, there's a lot of exchanges doing watch trading, but the say 90% of exchanges that are doing watch trading make up only you know, a very small percent of the actual volume in the market. So, mm. yeah. I'm so, just, is is it safe to assume that if it's not a big heavy hitter, they're just faking their volume? Probably. They could. But yeah. then places like CoinMarketCap, they they reported last week that they haven't introduced new metrics to get a fuller picture of these exchanges. So they want to start measuring liquidity measures, hot and cold wallet balances, traffic data for those exchanges a lot of them are those unrecognized exchanges that are doing the the fuckery so yeah um, yeah the, well, the, we about, need new metrics like, uh, that makes sense to me based on what an exchange would need to do to actually like make itself be known a little bit because like and if you're an exchange volume is money like that's how yeah. you like people will not use you unless they feel like you're being used Right. As an exchange, right? Because if there's no liquidity, mm-hmm. if there's no people actually trading on your platform, then you can't get trades through. So it's like this chicken and egg problem. So in order to bootstrap that, I'd imagine they just amp up that volume a little bit to get people start trading yeah. so they can actually have some leg- legitimate trading and then people will come and use them yeah. because there's legitimate trading. I'm not saying that's like a good thing to do, but I, I, had a, I could imagine that that's what people would do in order to try and get people to start using their platform that or just offer ridiculous incentives that no one else can yeah. oh like yeah. binance does <laughs> yep jesse has a premonition binance is gonna go under and it's gonna be the mount gox but the Ooh. new mount gox and then he laughed about it really creepily on the show it was awkward i was like why did you like, that's evil um is I, the thing about the thing about it, I think, is that yeah, I get it. You're trying to fake volume to bootstrap people to use your exchange, but that's shady. <laughs> I mean, there's literally no way <laughs> else to explain that. I mean, and so what yeah. I what I guess that what I'm getting at is centralized exchanges are becoming a point of failure slash success for all of cryptocurrency. Because if all these other exchanges that are spinning up the BitHums, the Quadriga CXs, and they're doing shady stuff and they're faking their volume, well, that's just going to push legitimacy towards the central entities, which probably are being watched like a hawk now. Some of the DEXs, the in. decentralized exchanges, like don't have things to pump. They just, they just, they just, they operate by themselves. They're all somewhat autonomous, depending on which one you talk talk about. But like. The goal is to have decentralized exchanges where the exchange infrastructure is actually a part of the network and doesn't have people who control who does what and do things off, like have centralized servers that handle all the trades and so on and so forth. It just, it just all operates on chain. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that, Corey. I feel like that would be, that's the, the best case scenario. I feel like that's what we need, but it like, pretty much doesn't exist then you have things like front running and and other other issues that are difficult when it comes to automating everything and the types of games you can play when uh that happens yep and also the volume on those decks is kind of abysmal right now and (laughs) can the base layer handle if volume picked up no that's the answer (laughs) that's where like plasma comes in that's like a perfect use case for plasma and sharding no sharding is a very different thing <laughs> it is i thought sharding is like off-chain no transactions. no it's it, 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 so like uh if you think oh. about a blockchain what everyone thinks about when they think about a blockchain is that centralized 
large central like large central source of truth. It's the thing you go to that has all the transactions, right? And it's big. It's it's like it's you change one one thing in the past, no matter what it is, then the whole thing changes, and you can guarantee that like it's something's been tampered with, and you throw it away. So it's really hard to change, so on and so forth. But like one consequence of that is if you're running a full node of a blockchain, you have every single transaction that has ever happened and every single transaction that's coming into the network, which you have to parse. The idea of sharding is separating everything into smaller pieces so that people who are validating or running full nodes only care about a certain subset of all of those transactions. So it's it's breaking up the state, is what they call it, okay. into smaller chunks. You don't have to care about everything. You care about a smaller portion. And then you have some way of coordinating between all of the shards. So that way you can you can expand drastically. So a shard can handle the same amount of state that a current blockchain handles. But if there's multiple shards, then you have an overall larger number of transactions going through. So when you're when you're running a shard if the transaction volume is too high, like say the pressure is too high, are you, do you run a risk of some shit coming out? No. Never? No. It's just I like, mean, it's that's going to be clean about, all the time. Like the, a good way to think about sharding is just running like, uh, you know, say, say you have 10 shards. It's running 10 blockchain, like Bitcoin blockchains at the same time. And then something that coordinates all of them together so that something that happens on one doesn't affect the other one Im- Im- improperly. That's all it is. That's just it's literally it all it sounds is. like it j- could just get so messy and some oh, shit can come That's out. That's why it's I mean, taking so long for it to actually be put into place. That's why like most of the things they're doing right now, most like if we take Ethereum, for instance, which is probably some of the uh, most popular sharding work. It's most of the work being done now has nothing to do with the actual shards. All the work mm-hmm. is being done on the beacon chain, which is the system that's just doing all of the coordinating of the shards and staking and choosing which validator actually validates which shard and so on and so forth. But like when you're talking about like uh, state transitions, so when people send transactions from one to send one coin for another, beacon chain has nothing to do with that. All it cares about is mm-hmm. Who's in charge? Who who staked what, and who's validating what? Is there ever an instance where like the the gas is is built up so much, and and then when you release the shard, like I, I, I just feel like it... <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> it took you so long. Well, it took me forever. So I get I get in a, I get in tunnel vision here answering questions because normally people are actually asking me these questions as opposed oh to your ass. That took so long. Uh, <laughs> I said shit comes out, and you just rolled with it. <laughs> well, that's how I explain things. <laughs> oh man, okay. I was wondering how long I could keep that going before you. <laughs> we also have we so we have we have two more people on the call. Uh, one is by phone, and the other one is Lane Miller, which just just refuses to talk. I think he's just going to be a fly on the wall today. This is Daniel. No, it's his cell phone seems a little messed up, but um. It might be Daniel. Dan the man, is that you? Yeah, ask me what's up. Uh oh. <laughs> that sounds like a guy who's in bed snacking, not with good quality oh. sound. <laughs> is it is it good? Is it good? Yeah, we'll allow it. It's You're just enough. relaxing. It's well, good enough. Any any points you want to bring up? Any feedback, my friend? He said win Lambo, that's what he no, said. No, I'm not Yeah, win Lambo. No, I oh, just I... uh I just called in, so I'm just uh listening for right now. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, we think about I yeah. well, I think about Win Lambo every episode. Ain't nothing changed. <laughs> I'm telling you. I was, I was caught caught off guard by that spike the other day. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Winter of twenty twenty, baby. Into twenty twenty one. That's Win Lambo. Yeah, exactly. Oh wait, I'm supposed to be Negro Domicine when I'm talking about the future. It's gonna be winter of twenty twenty, baby. All right. And that's gonna lay it on the flip side. You already know about what, that. What price like when we were when when Bitcoin was three hundred dollars and I told you that Bitcoin was gonna be nineteen thousand, that everyone would have said that was Lambo. What price is Lambo territory? When you have gotten in early enough to buy enough crypto and it goes to a certain amount that you go buy a Lambo. 
Yeah. So if you bought in at eighteen thousand, if it goes to like twenty two thousand, that's not when Lambo for you. No, no. No, you're just no, like you're just like oh, I I broke even and I and I got some like reparations for my heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely not. We're a talking. Way. You get in at three thousand and it goes to uh, three hundred thousand. Yeah, that's yeah. more than a Lambo. I mean, like. Yeah. That's, that's, that level of jump is on par with what like early, early, early adopters are at. Like think about, let's think about Roger Ver for a second. I know we don't want to, but just the context of when he got into the space, he bought when it was below a single dollar and he bought a lot. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was probably selling a lot. When it was around twenty thousand dollars, he's not a success story because he was rich before he got in. He's no, no, just no, no, a rich no. guy that became he's, richer. He's a success story. He's not like a up and comer. Like I've, I changed my life kind of success yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm thinking. Um, uh, I don't know if y'all remember a, that interview. It's a success. Like he, You're gonna. He call. was eating cold Chinese. Like I, I already had a Lambo before <laughs> I even got into Bitcoin. I was like, well, fuck you, dude. I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, well, if you believe that it's going to uh, to a million dollars, then you know, hang on tight. Well, that's my thing. It's like who has the patience to hang on that tight? Because that that's an eighteen year wait or a ten or a fifteen year wait. Okay, I that's, do. So, I, so a lot of people have, say they do, but do you? We, we well, have buy this. buy one and put it uh, put aside for your kids or something. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's an idea. You know, like yeah. a, like a safety deposit box or something like that when they get eighteen, right? So. Yeah. So D has a strategy that he has been um, pushing on the network for a while because the longest time, especially during the run-up and then the, and then the, the, the subsequent the, the crash, everyone was talking about holding, hodl, right? And yeah. no one was talking about, you know, using the money appropriately for whatever your life circumstance was. So D came up with a, a new strategy, which he calls hodl plus. We want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. HODL plus means you have a set amount that you HODL, but you also have an amount that you activate to change your fucking life. So, you know, if if it does moon and you do Lambo, speaking figuratively, of course, keep some, right? Because it's obviously an asset that has a lot of growing potential, but you you cash some out. Make sure you take care of the tax man because he will come a knocking. (laughs) And change your life. Yeah. Do do something that changes your life. If you've got long-term debt, that's usually where you want to start. You need a house. You've been looking at a house, and all you've been able to do is cry a single tear as you look at that house. Well, go do good. Get a down payment. Get the house. Like, make a life change. Because what's the point, right? Cello, you say that all the time. Like, what's the point of holding this stuff for 40 years? I'm going to be mm. – my knees are going to shatter if I, I can't even – like my finger might break just trying to sell it on the Coinbase app by that time. I'm so old. Well, yeah. Well, the comparison plus. was like, well, people, people, you know, contribute to their 401k for 40 years and all that. And this, but this is like a new kind of investing and we have to get out of that old way in the new way to invest. I don't, I don't want to take a Bitcoin and wait for the revolution to hit 30 years from now. I yeah. want to see explosive volatile growth and I want to see, insane returns in short amounts of time he's trying yeah, to, you know. to exit it but there is what do you mean new way to invest i mean investing kind of has some some golden rules that you follow i, I, don't, I don't i i think this breaks all narratives that's are why you doing I mean, let's let's think about this know. right when, like say if you were into investing before you learned about crypto mm-hmm. your expected returns were you know, 8%. oh shit! I made eight percent on my portfolio this year. I did a real good job. That's outstanding, right? That's great. That is not the conversation we're having in cryptocurrency. Nah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the thing. It's it's kind of like it's uh when you really think about crypto, the, the crypto itself, the way you invest is nothing new. It's shit that we've already been doing and have done, or people have that had the ability to do for a long time. What's different is really the return the opportunity of return, the percentage of return you can make on your money in cryptocurrency is absolutely insane compared to traditional markets. Like there's, it's there's also the like incredible high risk and incredible volatility 
that some okay. people yeah. can't stomach. Going from five thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars is and then losing it back down to two thousand dollars can yeah. can make people literally kill themselves. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you are absolutely right. And I think that's the thing that I witnessed the most. Most people, you know, in this type of market, they don't have the stomach to emotionally handle a balance basically that volatile and going up and down in that way. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people have come to realize that. That and I and I think too, I think it is a good point. I think people when they hear the term hodl, they take it too literal. Like way too literal. Because I don't think in any way, shape, or form, does it make sense in crypto to hold your coins and never do anything with them? To me, that's just, you're not taking advantage of the market because that doesn't make any sense. There's going to be highs and lows, there's going to be ups and downs. So Yeah, but I mean, okay, so I don't do much trading whatsoever. I used to. I would try and time the market. I try to, you know, hop into different coins when I knew they were being hot or I thought they were going to do something. And it took a tremendous amount of time out of my day. That's not where I want to be spending my time. So what I've done is I've created a portfolio of things I think will be useful in a longer term. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll reevaluate in a, at, a, at a longer time frame. Mm-hmm. But I don't have time to be watching charts on 15 different coins. I have a job to do. Or like... That's not where my my motivation is or where I want to be spending my time with cryptocurrency. It's not watching prices. It's learning about the technology. True. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that, and that definitely makes sense. Yeah, I think it's because I think it, if you have that mentality, right, and you have, obviously, you have a job, you have things you want to do, you have things that you want to spend your time doing. And honestly, I'm pretty much the same way. I, I like looking at charts. I don't mind looking at charts, but I am definitely a long-term trader um by default that's what i prefer that's my preference so when i think of like not hodling forever i'm thinking of uh, literally like okay when there starts to be an insane run on bitcoin going up um like like d said pretty much like all right taking a little bit off the table pulling profits um mm-hmm. contributing it towards your lifestyle. So if, you know, something you're doing is, you know, you you want to take the opportunity to learn more about crypto, maybe you'll pull a little bit off the table and use that for an opportunity to go travel the world and go to all of these different conferences or engage in this or that. So I just think it could be better utilized over time, especially if you are one of those serious long-term believers, because at the end of the day, if you really believe Bitcoin is going to continue to go up for a long time, you take a little bit off the table. It's really not going to do much in the long run because you're going to essentially make that money back because the Bitcoin you have or cryptocurrency you have is going to grow and basically replace what you basically just took away. Yeah. And but right now, if you, if you take it off, then you're taking off more Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? Like that in the future, you know, a Satoshi equaling one cent is, one million for one Bitcoin, and to get the the profit, you're going to be selling more Bitcoin. So, like, it, it depends on your view of how much you want to have in the future and how much you believe it's going to be worth. So, yeah. I, mean, I, I get what you're saying, but it's like it depends on your number. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely to me, it's long term view because yeah, you definitely have the physical aspect of like, okay literally how many bitcoin do i have versus the actual value of how much bitcoin you have compared to fiat or another cryptocurrency or things like that so i mean it's definitely like i said it's it's a long-term thing you know to me i feel like it only makes sense i mean it makes more sense if you're long-term to pull some off the table just so you can utilize it this is what i do and i feel like it's a it's a it's a reasonable strategy for um figuring out how much I end up putting into the space. I started out by having a certain amount of money that I ha- that I have to invest. Now that goes into traditional investments, 401ks, IRAs, things like that, maybe some, some stocks or whatever that's that I, that I think are interesting. And then I have an allocation of that. It for it's relatively large compared to most, but it's an allocation for cryptocurrency. That's somewhat of a high what I consider a high risk investment. Now, I put that whole allocation into cryptocurrencies. So I took that amount, whatever my high my high risk allocation was, 
and made a portfolio of cryptocurrencies from that. Now, the boom happened, and that that percentage grew to something that was drastically larger than what I originally set out to do in terms of like how I have my 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 assets spread out in my portfolio. Because of that, I rebalanced. So I took some money off the top of the ridiculous amount of cryptocurrency that I made based on what I set out to do. And I redistributed it to be more like what I started to do. So I yeah. put money and I, I took away debt. I, I put money into my 401k. I made an emergency plan. I did things that made actionable change in my life at that time because what I had set out to do became unbalanced in a really good way, right? Mm-hmm. So I just leveled it out a little bit by making actionable change. I think if you if you look at your life circumstance and that's what you set out to do, and if something goes up, if any 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 one of your buckets goes up, you should rebalance by making actionable yeah. change in your life and then that's, redistribute. That's called working a strategy. You don't change your strategy. You don't change your standards because the things change. You right. keep your standards and you take what's left off the top. Yeah. Right. So, and you know, you, you, when it comes to, damn, we should have said hashtag no investment advice a long time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're not naming there points. Are, there's some, yeah, there we go. There's some rule of thumbs, right? If, if you want to put your money in something for a year time frame, then that's a speculative thing. If you want to put your money in something for one to five years, it's short term. Anything over five years is long term. Right. Anything over 10 years, I assume, is just part of your wealth portfolio. You're really just going to keep that there for a long time, because if something grows over a 10 year span and it grows in some orders of magnitude, if you really want to cash that out, it's going to cost you some taxes. So that's just a long term. I'm with this thing for life kind of bet. A lot of people do do that, though. You see it all the time. People just after a thing, there's that's why 10 year indices exist. That's why 25-year indices exist, because when things start getting close to those points, people rebalance. Yeah. Like Corey just did. They say, okay, this is my 25-year bet. I got this much money. I'm going to take some off the table and rebalance and go to my original strategy. People do that. It just all kind of depends on your time frame. Yeah. Um, now, the wild, the the wind Lambo, the, all that stuff, that's all speculative and I mean, there's you know more power to people. Don't get that me wrong; do that. I played around with shit coins, but it was with an amount of money that I had pre-allocated to doing something like that, right? Yeah, it's I a cash position. Yeah, yeah. So, and that may, I see, and I, I like what you said, Corey, because what you said is exactly what I'm talking about. You did. I feel like exactly what I feel like uh, most people should do in crypto. Even saying you know you don't trade a lot and things like that. To me, what you said makes complete sense. And I feel like a lot of people that I've met that hodl don't even do that. They literally only hodl. They won't trade at all. They won't pull any off the table. They want nothing. They're like, literally, I'm holding this, hodling this for 15 years. I'm not, I'm not selling any a moment before this. And that's what I'm just like. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, Chilla, we don't absolutely. want to, to eat, man. Yeah, you got to mute that mic, man. <laughs> But I haven't even started chewing yet. We, we all talk hear the we fork and fork and plates yeah. and all kinds of stuff. All right, my bad. But hey, before before I meet myself, I just want to say I'm one of those people you hate. I ain't spending <laughs> shit until I multiply my money. Just letting you know. Um, <laughs> and I mean, more power to the the short term investors um, or the speculative investors uh, because you know they're they're the ones that are basically driving the market when, when it's not really moving when it's moving sideways and stuff. Um, but like, it all depends on your time frame, really. Yeah. It's an, and, it's an ethics too, a question of ethics. Like we want this place to be honest because this place is very transparent and we don't need any manipulation or lies or scams. I, I just, you know, people need to be honest. And you say, win Lambo, get that tatted on your chest and let everybody know that I want my Lambo and I want it tomorrow would be ideal. So speaking of not speaking <laughs> of not making rash decisions, Daniel's talking about uh, selling all his shit and living in a van for a while. 
You wanna? That's what's up. Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> you say that's what's up. That's. What's I, I had a feeling you were gonna say something like that. <laughs> are you no, gonna? Just, no, no, yeah. Are what's you up? really gonna do that, Daniel? Yeah, pretty much. What, t- tell us, tell us a little bit about your plans, and then we'll tell you if you're if you're like crazy or <laughs> something that's like relatively reasonable. No, I mean it's. I mean, you can you can definitely call it crazy. I mean, I already got some people telling me that I'm crazy, but the idea is uh, so where I'm at right now, the cost of living is like really high, and so I rent rooms, and um, I just kind of was in a situation where I was thinking, you know, I'm tired of this, or I'm tired of like just always having to share space, and I was looking into what it's going to take to you know, get my own place, you know, we, you know, we're talking about when land ball, I guess one of my goals is hopefully somewhere in the future to buy a house. And so I was doing some looking into building a, like a tiny house. I don't know if, if anybody's ever heard about that kind of thing, oh, yeah. but yeah. And you know, it's like, it opens the whole door to kind of like, you know, there's a lot going on on YouTube. And so I, you know, I come across like van life. I come across like people living in the cars. And I was just like, I've been, you know, for the last couple of months, like researching this thing. And, uh, yeah, I just, it was like, first it was kind of like this, uh, Hey, you know, I want to build a tiny house, but then at the same time, I don't exactly have all the funds. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do it temporarily. And then, you know, I just, you know, kind of been a process of like thinking, what I could do. And then I was like, well, Hey, it's like a, it's like a year technically to the happening. Like, what if I just take a year and all the money I'd be spending on rent or all the extra that I'd make from not renting, just put towards uh, crypto and just see what happens. So it's kind of like going on, um, an extended living vacation, you know, like those, those tours that people do in their vans. So they get those like little, yeah. And then well, just sucking away I'm not gonna quit all my, of the extra money. Yeah, I'm not going to quit my job. I'm not going to go traveling. You know, I've got family, so I can't just, like, you know, do something like that. Where I mean, are you going to live? Like, in a Walmart parking lot? Like, where, like in, your, in, your, in your parents' well, driveway? I'm not going to say where I'm going to live. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want people to know. Touché. But, uh, no, so I, I, have a, I have a station wagon, and I've, uh, I've kind of, you know, campered it out already kind of like set it up so that it's uh you know you can't nope. tell that it's that's yeah. it's that you know what i'm saying well i really i so, really if you do this i want updates i want to know how things are going as they go because like this is this is something that's relatively interesting to me like i know a lot of people who do this and don't suck away extra money they just do it to live that way and yeah exactly <laughs> well so, so my goal is i do want a place and so right now, most of my extra money that I don't really need is in crypto. And I don't want to just, you know, liquidate all that right now and put money down to start, you know, the process. And so I'm like, hey, could I, could I do this for a year and, you know, see what I have at that point? I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just, it's just an idea really, but I'm, I mean, I've already kind of started the process, but I mean, even today I went and got a, a gym membership. It's like literally like two minutes from my work. So right. worst case scenario, like work out and crypto goes to shit and you lose all your money. Are you okay? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not like I, it's not like I've, uh, you know, lost my job, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not homeless and I, and I have a lot of family and friends out here, but it's just like, you know. I hope it I hope it works out great, and you're talking like a Mississippi pimp next year, the year after. <laughs> no, I mean it's funny you hear those stories of the people that like went off and like sold all their stuff, sold their house, like you know, cashed out their pension, and then uh, you know that you know they hit the all time high, and, and yeah. now they're like just traveling the world and telling their story. And I mean, I I honestly like I I was I was joking the other day about the idea of doing that, but I never really thought to like make it public. So I'm still toying with that idea, but that would be kind of cool, you know, to kind of like do like updates, like uh, Betty's talking about. But. Well, you aren't the, the first person that has listened to our show that's tried to figure out their living situation. We've actually got a thank you note from somebody who was able to pay off their mortgage early by 
not investment advice, but took it as investment advice. <laughs> and it actually worked out for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's everybody's obviously in a different situation, but mine basically is like, you know, I got to barely graduate high school, did some traveling, got into jobs, got married, had a kid, never went to school. I mean, I'm, I'm basically like entry level, you know, uh, labor. And right now it's like, I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, child support and living in an area that's like really high cost of living. So it's like, I mean, I could take my money and go to school or I could take my money. And I mean, there's a lot of things I could do, but it's either decision is going to take a lot on my part to, you know, progress per se. So are you making this, are you making this this a hard bet that this is going to eventually pay off? Like you feel like this year of socking away this money into crypto has a larger potential to pay off for the rest of your life than any other of the situations you could be possibly doing. I think, I think the thing is, is that, okay, it's a risk, right? It is a risk, but I've pretty much like, some people might look at my life and, and see some successes. And at the same time, part of me feels like I haven't really done a whole lot in the last, you know, let's say, you know, 15 years, or whatever. What's one year trying something different? When it's in a sense, I'm not going to be anywhere different if I just keep doing what I am doing. And and really, in some ways, in some ways, being introduced to crypto uh, is changing my perspective on a lot of different things. Like I've been just living my life. You know, I got like I said, I just just took one step after one step, and I never actually pursued anything. And I just did what I thought I was supposed to do at the time, and it, I mean, yeah, okay. I have a, you know, I have a kid and I, I was married and, you know, you know, there's, there's different things that some people would say were successes, but I mean, I don't feel like an unsuccessful person. I'm just trying to say that it, in some ways I've just kind of lived my life and I haven't yeah. really tried anything risky, you know? So what's, what's, what do I lose by taking one year yeah. uh, risk to do this kind of thing? I think it's cool. I have more power to you for having the courage to do it. And I feel like, it isn't, I feel like you're set up in a way, at least the, the way you've explained it to us, in a way that isn't irresponsible. Uh, you're not, you're not, you know, taking a second mortgage out and throwing a bunch of money into crypto and that if you lose it, you're fucked and you fuck your entire family in, along, along the way. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. the thing, I haven't had, I haven't had debt, I haven't had debt, because I never went to school, uh, but I haven't had debt for probably... 12 years, 10, 12 years. I had some like minor credit card debt when I was like in my early twenties, but I, I've never liked the idea of that. And so, so in a sense, yeah, I mean, I, I came across this idea of building a tiny house. I'm kind of a minimalist. I live on very little and I came across the whole tiny house movement uh, a couple months ago when I was thinking about, you know, I want to buy land. I want to get a house, all this stuff. And I want to do it without debt. I mean, you can, you can go get a loan. You can, you know, you can, basically get into a mortgage on a, mm-hmm. a tiny house but it's like i want to i want to do that debt free my own bitcoin so I, I don't know we'll see yeah, go on bitcoin. yeah. <laughs> i was actually um i was asked this question recently in an interview um which kind of led I, I think that bitcoin uh crypto kind of appeals to those the most that are what i coined uh fiscally vulnerable um because I was when I first started, I was a teacher. Uh, everybody knows how much teachers make. It's no secret. And I didn't have a lot of uh, what I call working capital, but I had some money saved up from just like uh, squirreling away. It was introduced to me by Corey. I didn't at first I didn't take that risk. But when it came back around the second time, I took that risk. And being fiscally vulnerable made me it's it's almost just like you, Dan. It's like, well, fuck it. Like <laughs> it's like you kind of get to that point where you're like, if I keep doing if I keep working this teacher's salary and squirreling away, I'm gonna squirrel away myself to a net worth of zero when I die, because I will have just paid off my student loan debt and I'll be good to go. So <laughs> I was like, Well, yeah. And so I was like you know, at least I can leave the, my my kids with no debt, and that'll be my life's legacy. He worked as a teacher his whole life to have no debt, 
And then, you know, somewhere in between our first conversation about Bitcoin Core and our second, I was like, fuck that. So I (laughs) was I took a risk and it and then I hodl plus. And now I have a little bit different story. But people that aren't fiscally vulnerable are most likely not going to buy into crypto from an investment standpoint. They're not because they're already doing well. Like, I think, Cello, when we first started recording the show, you mentioned the story of one of your old bosses. When you talked about crypto to him, he was like, fuck that stupid shit. But he's like, he's got a lot of money. He's not fiscally vulnerable. He doesn't care. He's set. He's ready. Investing is probably something he's done naturally just from having a great job for a while. So his 401k is straight. His IRA is straight. He doesn't have anything to worry about. So I also factor in that not, not everybody wants to be an early adopter of anything. There's just a there's a certain uh, demographic of people where it's, it's just not in their DNA. They're they're always going to be the majority or the late majority, no matter how successful or rich or their age. Yeah. It's just some people don't like to be early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm about to say yeah. When it comes to crypto, I think I've met as many people rich as I have, uh, not as financially capable, that literally give no fucks about crypto. Uh, <laughs> all of the above only because a lot of you know uh the 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 more wealthy people will you know talk about the risk from uh why would i do this because i already have bread and then the people who are in financial hardships why would i do this because i'm broke yeah, so, i don't have money to be yeah. throwing into something yeah so and, and then a lot of it you know i mean definitely it's speculative Um, But a lot of people who say that they come from a place of lack of understanding because you think about it, right? If you want to make a sound decision not to invest in something, you do homework, you do due diligence, you actually look into it, and then you make a decision. You don't make a decision based off of what you heard somebody else say without doing homework. So I think that that with the kind of going back to the whole thing we talked about with the narrative that has been kind of pushed around, a lot of people automatically shun it and shut it off because of what they heard somebody has said on the news or they heard about, you know, a project that was a scam. So a lot of people are just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Rather yeah. not. That, so, that, but- that brings me to like this concept of evangelism. Um, mm-hmm. So especially early on in in cryptocurrency, it was it was like... A positive thing to be a heavy Bitcoin evangelist. Uh, but the problem with that, most people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> um, so I, like yeah. even so I, I early on, I absorbed as much material as I possibly could. I took every training course, all the all the things online, I read everything, and more often than not, most courses, like certified courses, or things you would pay for to learn about how things work were terrible. They were outdated. They were wrong sometimes. They didn't do a very good job from a pedagogical standpoint of like teaching someone or helping someone understand where things are coming from and, and like why they operate the way they do. And so we started creating this army of people who really suck at explaining what's going on. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, there's it's a lot. There, I mean, it's gotten better. Yeah. It's still not it's gotten good. Better. Yeah, but you make a good point, man. There's a lot of people shoveling shit. It is. It's a lot of people. Um, I've seen, I've seen two things the most. One, the course that literally almost makes no sense because, like you said, it's outdated and wrong, or the course that's so fucking technical or so deep, people are like, "What the hell is going on? Why am I watching this?" Very few have I seen perfectly balanced in the middle to where it's information that's there up to date and not so difficult that a new can't come in and try to learn or catch on and then, you know, progress as, you know, uh, they expand their knowledge. Mm. Um, Very few. and But I think that's going to take a really sound mind. Uh, it's somebody that really has their goal to create it, right? Because you're dealing with a lot of different people, a lot of different personality types. A lot of people have different learning styles, retain information differently. So you're going to have to really approach it in a way that is as open for 
all learning styles almost as possible, which I don't think is necessarily this super difficult thing to obtain, but it is definitely going to take a person that has the right mentality to be able to create it and not only create it, actually push it and market it correctly so that people actually knows it fucking exists. Andreas Antonopoulos. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Man, I think about Andreas Antonopoulos. Yo, if he had like a, like if he had, I feel like a serious publicist or a, a marketing team that really pushed him, like really pushed him and pushed him in the correct way. I mean, I think I think what he would what he's doing now would get so much more exposure, so much more traction. Well, I talked to him about that, and he said he actually prefers to target the crowd of the zero to six month Bitcoin user. He likes the revolving door of newbies because he wants to be the barrier to entry for new people. So he yeah. doesn't. So he just wants to get you off the ground and get you into the space. And then he's going to go back to the year one students appropriately. That's the th- I think a key point, right? Is like. He wants to be the voice that teaches people when they first get into it, like how things actually work, what the actual point is, and that that isn't that isn't muddled by that army of people who don't know what they're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and that's that's a very important thing, and I and I think I like it's it's awesome. I tip my cap to him and his, and the amount of work that he's put into trying to make that a reality because one, he's done a really good job. Two. It's kind of thankless and tiring because you're always answering the same questions, but it's incredibly important. Yeah, and I agree. And, and I, it's I, hard, I mean, right? It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, because that's kind of how that's. I mean, that's literally how I feel. That's why I always offer help. You know, with the Facebook group I have, Crypto Legends. That's literally who I try to talk to because those are the people who are generally who are going to need the most help and need the most direction. Like I remember when I first got into crypto. I mean, there's so much information. There's so much shit out there. You really need a way to be able to funnel through everything and figure out like, okay, what shit really matters? What do I really need to pay attention to? To who do I really need to pay attention to? And having people like Andres Antonopoulos or anybody who really knows enough to be able to point you in the right direction of where to go and what to look at is, I think, extremely important because there's so many people that I know him who have been turned off by crypto because when they first came in, they had an experience that gave them a super sour taste in their mouth. And they're like, yo, fuck this. I'm never, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do anything with crypto. And they'll probably be that person that won't ever really get back into it and put any effort into it until it's at a point to where it's like, okay, everybody else around me is doing this shit. Maybe I should start paying attention to it now. And by that time, mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be too late to gain any real serious opportunity um, like you would have if you would have been one of the early adopters or one of the people who caught on an earlier time. So I think, yeah, I think what he's doing is really fucking stand up because that's what we need. You know what I'm saying? Once you know, yeah. once you're in the space, you can maneuver better and you can kind of find your way around. But by far, the most dangerous point in crypto is when you first get into it. So it's like, you need to, yeah, that needs to be, yeah, there just definitely needs to be an on-ramp. <laughs> it's crazy. We should have, like, a show on the network where a guy just sets out to on-ramp people and kind of <laughs> help them understand, you know, exactly what's going on with the space and everything. On-ramping with some guy or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be weird. It's got to be something. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So I, actually he, created, I actually created an introductory course relatively technical to to Bitcoin um, when I work for a company and it's owned by them so I can't use it anymore. I'm, so I'm trying to see if I can get it out and release it to to anyone who listens to our podcast. Uh, I, I hope that's I hope that's the case. Um that was a low oh shit. That was low key a shout out to on Rampant with D, which we'll be making a return yep. very soon. <laughs> um and it's now that the floodgates are open, if you do need an on-ramping, if you just got into crypto and you feel like your eyes are a bit glazed and you don't understand the space, you're hearing all these words, you're seeing all these opening mouths talk about random shit, uh, you can come talk with me and I'll help you get your feet underneath you and get you on-ramped onto crypto. Um, I think it went well. Jessica would say the same. We had a good time. We talked about a litany of stuff. 
I just realized talking with Corey that I got sharding a little bit wrong. I thought it was off chain. I was incorrect. So sharding is definitely not off chain. So I think I kind of I explained scaling some scaling solutions with a broad paintbrush, but um, that's a mistake. So if you listen to that and you cringe, my bad. Um, <laughs> but we talked about stable coins. We talked about what the difference between. You know, the fiat pegged in the algorithmic stable coin or like DAI. I think DAI is the only one, right? I'd imagine so. Is DAI the only crypto only stable coin? I don't know. But, I think so. I don't know. Um, we I just kind of basically gave her the rundown of a lot of things. Talked about Constantinople. Uh, it's five EIPs that kind of changed the, the, the landscape for Ethereum. We, we talk about the stuff that as long as you're up on, you shouldn't get too lost in the sauce. Dead ass. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect use of the word. All right, we're uh, we're sitting around fifty five minutes. Why don't we start to wrap it up? Uh, does anyone have anything that they like wanted to get off the chest or talk about before we before we get out of here? Um. Yeah, I actually want to say something. Uh. To what, what was the, what was the gentleman that was talking about living in the uh, living under the van? Daniel. Daniel. Yo, I think that shit is dope, bro. I think what you're doing is dope. <laughs> it's a good idea. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily a minimalist myself, but I think I feel like I'm I'm kind of naturally flowing in that direction. I have a really good friend of mine who is like a minimalist. He does that a lot, and I think not only is what you're doing is dope. I think the timing couldn't be better. Because I feel like if you really do that, you take that year, especially right now, um, thinking about the technicals, the technical analysis aspect of where it is going, crypto is going in general. I think I would put my money on it that I really think what you're going to do is going to work. And I Mm -hmm. think it's going to work very uh, significantly. And because I know people who did this back in 2013 2014 in those time frames and they're fucking set period hashtag um, not investment yeah. advice not investment <laughs> hashtag no i actually i actually listened to your podcast when you had that guy on there who did his family when they went that was that's one i was referencing but i've heard oh, other stories but that one specifically where you interviewed the guy who uh, uh sold everything and his family and then now they travel the world trying to live off bitcoin yep yeah, it's it's amazing, man. The stuff you can do when you when you invest in that way and the timing is right, man. And I think for you, because if you if seriously, seriously, if you do it, especially if you do it right now with the direction, the trajectory Bitcoin is supposed to have within, say, the next year to three years, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I think well, that's- the two things the, the two things I'm looking at specifically is uh, is the happening. But also, I mean, they did say that ultimately they will. Uh, give an, uh, an ETF. You know, the SEC has said that it, that that will ultimately happen. You know, and when that happens, it's going to be nuts. I mean, people are going to go nuts. Yeah, that's going to change the landscape quite a bit. So, why? Why? Uh, why? Because because I mean, we've talked about it before, but because these huge these huge huge entities and these funds and these private equity funds, like all these things that have the 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 more giant a pile of working capital you have the more legalese that's surrounding it so yeah. they want to be involved and they want exposure to crypto but they legally can't get it because there's so many risk what do you call it? the risk surface is so huge because they're controlling so many people's money it's such a giant boat that they've got to get so many layers of approval before they can turn the boat two degrees to the left so what that means Corey, is once there is a ETF with the SEC stamp of approval, they could start to take that risk on for their customers. Vanek, these huge, huge funds with billions and billions of dollars, um, they can now say, okay, well, let's take 0.25% of that risk portfolio that we usually have for our clients and let's throw that in the cryptocurrency this year. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we can't buy it because that's illegal because it's unregulated. But what we can do is buy a bunch of shares of these ETFs. How does that so actually affect the ETF. price of Bitcoin? Is that money actually going into yeah, Bitcoin? Yeah, because they... How, how does it affect the price of Bitcoin? 
because the ETF is a derivative of of Bitcoin, so they're gonna have to have big. They're gonna have to buy Bitcoin at some point to substantiate so that. They, the they need a basis. They need a cost basis. So they need to have, yeah. like, say, for instance, if we're thinking about the Winklevoss, the Winklevoss yeah. twins. I like to refer to them as the Winklevoss because it's fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they need to have a large stash of Bitcoin so that yeah. if things go sour, they can pay out their customers appropriately. Right? They can't. Yep. Okay, so that's that's the point, right? They should be able to have the amount to then serve these people the, you know, untold amounts of money that they're trying to invest in a derivative of Bitcoin. Yeah, and, so that and means so does, it, does that mean that that gets locked up? Is that Bitcoin basically locked up because it's uh, money being held based on a derivative being purchased on it? That's I don't know all the details, but. Two things that uh, we actually had this discussion in Slack. It was months and months ago, and I was asking somebody this question: like, why, why is it our ETF? Why is it our SEC? Because there's other countries in the world that are have embraced it already in that sense, but it's because the dollar is the world currency, and there's so much going on behind the scenes with these things that I mean, even if let's say you know the other thing I was gonna say is it, it, even if it is not actual bitcoin and it's derivative or you know derivatives or whatever they just create these you know fiat backed you know ious or whatever it's it's going to open up everything i mean there's not going to be anybody that can't get into it like like uh the saying you know it's like there's so many institutions that aren't going to even touch this stuff until it's 100 percent accepted and, yeah. and you know, and they have a dollar. Dollar is the world currency, and everyone's watching us and what we're gonna do. And when that happens, I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I, I don't know. I just that's just what I believe. But it is situation. Yeah. And um, you know, at that point too, Corey, like the all of our friends that have you know, what are we in our early thirties here? They've been working for about a decade and some change. They've got a pretty sizable 401k built, all those things. Well, those IRAs and 401ks, those funds, then they start to experiment too. So then they have crypto in their portfolios. They don't even know it, right? So it's a huge liquidity boom. I think one of our guests in the past called it a liquid is uh, hyper liquidity, hyper liquidity uh, shit. What did he call it? <laughs> it's, it's, it has something to do with hyper and liquid, and it's good. It's but, it's when liquidity jumps a lot. So liquidity, hyper um, liquidization. We'll just call it that. Um, <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll rapidly wrap here. Thank you guys for listening for another week, man. Uh, it's been lots of weeks. This is episode what two fifty two. Yep. Damn, that's some. Tra- We're coming up on a year. Hello, Corey. We need to do that drunk episode that we always say we're going to do. We never do. I'm kind of drunk now, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What else do we do? If you go to medium.com uh, slash the Bitcoin podcast blog, uh, you will find the blog. It's mainly just JT's uh, weekly newsletter-ish kind of thing where he kind of collects. He's curating. Yeah, most He's of my writing has kind of moved over to status lately. So, Sorry. Oh, you're writing for status now? You stepping yeah. out on a story? Some of, my, some of my thought pieces have been moved over to status for various things because that's where I spend 75% of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I actually really wanted to talk about that other thing, but we'll leave that for next week, I guess. The the SEC basically starting to lay some uh, some railing down for how to how to operate. Yeah, let's, um, let's let's dig into that next week. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that was a biggie that kind of flew under the radar. Um what else we got? Uh, what else we do? Donate. If you go to, yeah, go, go to, to the, the donation podcast.com. There is a donate button. Click on it. There's a leaderboard associated with the donate button. So if you donate yeah. something that's better than everyone else, you'll be put at the top of the leaderboard, which means you're better than all of those people. So go be better <laughs> than everyone else and give us money. <laughs> go by, you know, can you describe Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain in 10 words or less? There's probably not going to be a volume two because we don't do interviews anymore. So <laughs> uh, uh, I can't um, some of the interviews. We're, yeah, we're sitting I, on I one, actually. 
We are just sitting on one. Corey, you probably speak to the guy often. The Eric uh Eric Connor, I think his name is. He's in the Ethereum community, pretty yep. big. Uh we interviewed him like a month ago. <laughs> Shit. Never that, mind. Yeah. Um let's see. Uh, oh, somebody did something really cool with our donation page, and they made the top donation, and then they advertised their shit in the message. And I was like, "That's genius! That's yeah. that's genius!" Uh, so you can do that. You have that option. Uh, we we got a billboard running, apparently. It's basically a, a paid for billboard. So if you would like to advertise what you do, uh, you need to win by giving us more money than everyone else has. And then you can put a message in the leaderboard that says, go to my thing. I care about the crypto. I care about Bitcoin podcast more than anyone else does. That means that what I'm doing is legitimate. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's all we got. The is Bitcoin that called, podcast. Is that marketing? Is that, that's called I marketing. Think so. right? Yeah, I think it's called marketing. <laughs> I don't, I'm not too sure. I'm not a Cello, marketer. Is that marketing? Yeah, that's marketing 101 right there. There we go. <laughs> Uh, com. Go to that shit. Join the Slack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, join the Slack. We talk about it week in and week out. And if you're not there, like, you're, you're, you're fucking tripping. Pull over the car right now. Pull into the gas station. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com. Push the button. Join the Slack. All right? And, uh, and do that right now. And don't say right. anything misogynistic because there's like 30 women in there that never talk that I just discovered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be a dingleberry. Be respectful. Uh let's see. Uh that's it. Shout out to uh Zoe Saldana, Zatsi Beats, beautiful Carla Lewis. Play the outro.